was thinking about that song, Sister Mary Lou, she was playing. And when they asked me how I made it, I'll say I made it by the blood of the Lamb. How did I make it through? Not by anything that I've done, but through and by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There may be some up there that look at me and say, How'd you get here? And I'll say, You see that man there? His nail scarred feet. Thinking a lot about today and want to make just a few remarks, I guess some thoughts I've had this week. I was thinking about oftentimes you hear me say this, that I pray that we worship God in a way that we don't know if we have next week. And I was thinking about Brother James. We love Brother James. The last Sunday I seen him here, Brother James's character, he's always one to want to put a smile on somebody's face. And he had a pink suit on for Valentine's Day. He said, what do you think, preacher, about my suit this morning? He said, I think it looked pretty good on you. I said, well, brother, I'll let you stick to the pink suits. I'll try to do the preaching, you know. But he always had a way about him. And I never would have dreamed. Never. That that would have been the last Sunday that I would have seen him. And we oftentimes say that we may never have another service quite like the one that God has given us today, but folks, there's a lot of truth in that. But I'm thankful for one thing this morning, that Brother James was prepared and ready to go, and as we tried to speak yesterday, just for a moment, I, I have no doubt in my mind that as Brother James closed his eyes on this side, that he opened it up to a paradise where God is and where he dwells. The first thing that he's seen, I believe, is the Lord Jesus. And he was there in his presence and still there today, beholding his glory. The Son of God who gave his life that through him that all mankind might be saved. And as I began to think about some of those things, I, I prayed today that, that maybe that for those of you that may be here and lost, that you truly, and even the people of God, that we might take a, a thought that this life is but a vapor, and we're here for just a little while. It's here, and then it vanisheth away. And uh, I believe it is that Job said that man... Uh, that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. 
And certainly today, uh, this life is very short, and our days are very few, and we need to take advantage of what time God gives us. And so, uh, with that being said, uh, I was thinking a few thoughts this morning, and I was thinking about the heart in a literal sense. And I really hadn't put much thought into this, and I guess a lot of us don't. But the heart uh, beats about 150 to, about, excuse me, about 115,000 times a day. And that muscle, it pumps and it pumps, and so does our lungs. It breathes in and expands and, and all of those things. I'm no doctor by trade, but I, I guess there's a lot of that that I don't put a lot into that. And then I got to figuring just about the age 40 that my heart will have bumped, pumped over one billion times. And it's a muscle that is going to wear out at some point. It just, it's not made to endure this life. It's going to stop pumping at some point. And I don't know when that point is. I don't know when that point in time will come. But when you think about a machine or you think about a, an automobile engine and, and you think about it running up and down the road and Automobiles, they give out, they, the engine just give out sometimes. And that's the way this heart will do at some point. It'll just stop beating. And there's nothing that I can do to stop it. It's going to happen. We're not intended to live this life, uh, to go on and on and on. Methuselah was the oldest man that ever lived. He lived to be 969 years old, the Bible records. But you know what it says after that? It said he died. We cannot outrun death. It's coming for each and every one of us. But what we have to do is be prepared when that time comes. And I was thinking about here some scripture from the Apostle Paul and some of the things that the Apostle Paul uh, uh, there in his mission trips and different things. And uh, I want to take this morning for our reading lesson. I'm going to be... Uh, over in the book of Acts. And uh, do pray for us. I want to take some scripture from the 16th chapter of uh, the book of Acts. And also the 26th chapter of the book of Acts. This morning. I want to talk about the Apostle Paul today for just a little while. And for those of you that may be lost, I, I pray that... That you might listen today. I want you to know that the condition that you're in, it can be resolved today. That God can save you. And just as sure as I believe that He saved the Apostle Paul, I know that He saved me. And if God can save me, He can save anybody. I want you to listen today. The 16th chapter, very familiar scripture to you. I want to raise to you a question that was asked. This 24th verse in this 16th chapter. Let me back up just a moment, 23rd verse. It says, When they had laid many stripes upon them and cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. 
And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the inner excuse me, and the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. And spake they unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour of night and washed their stripes and baptized he and all his straight away. And when he had brought them into the house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And I want to stop there for just a moment as we find here the Apostle Paul and Silas who uh, would travel with him. And uh, we know here that uh, the, the, what we call the Macedonian call as he had uh, went to take the gospel. And as Paul had done many times, as, uh, without the Apostle Paul, I, I truly don't know where uh, we would be as far as the church goes. And, and he put himself out there and put himself in harm's way many a time so that the gospel of Jesus Christ might go into all the world. And certainly the Lord uh, uh, was in this as Paul uh, maybe within himself had a different direction that he must go. But as Paul received a vision in the night that uh, one asked him from Macedonia that he come over and help. So here it is, the Apostle Paul, and we know the story of Lydia and, and different things here, but uh, we find that Paul and Silas has been placed into prison. And there was a jailer there that had been given charge, uh, charge in a sense that he was to watch over them and to make sure that uh, they didn't escape or, or any of those things. And uh, we find that Paul and Silas uh, is in the uh, innermost part of the prison. Now exactly where that's at, I don't know, but I believe they were far enough down and put out of the way uh, uh, maybe that they thought that they couldn't escape. So here it is that uh, in the midnight hour, Paul and Silas was praying and singing praises unto the Lord, and uh, the, the prisoners began to hear the things that Paul and Silas were singing. And I want you to know tonight that, uh, excuse me, this morning as we're here, that the songs that we sing and, and the things that we do uh, have an oppression. They have an effect on those that are lost and around us. They have an effect on the lost community that's around us this morning. And my friend, uh, uh, church, we have a vital part this morning in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it is that He's done in our heart. Uh, we have a, a responsibility this morning. Just as we stand and sing and tell people about uh, when, I, when I get there before the presence of the Lord, uh, how it is that I made it through, it's by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ and by Him alone. So as this uh, there has taken place, it said suddenly there was a great earthquake and the very foundations of the prison began to shake. And my friend, this morning when God's Spirit gets in the midst and the truth of God's Word comes forth, and my friend, the power of God comes into this place. I believe God is still able to shake the very foundations of this church in a way that His power manifests, that it's able to convict the hearts of lost people 
And my friend, you've heard me before this morning, brothers and sisters, that we need the Spirit of God. And we need the Spirit of God in our services. Uh, that it might be able to uh, convict the hearts of the lost. And that it might be able to convict the hearts of His people. Because my friend, this morning, we need to get ourselves in a place to where we can serve God and where we can worship the Lord. Uh, but here it is. It says the keeper of a prison awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had fled. Now Paul says that he cried out. And it says, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And it says then that he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul in silence. And he asked me the most important question today that can be asked. He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And my friend, to me, that is the most vital question that can ever be asked. Is what must I do to be saved? Now I realize today that there's a great number of people and I've even had people come up to me and say, Brother Casey, I just don't know what's lacking. I don't know what I need to do. I'm, I'm lost and I'm separated from God. I don't necessarily, uh, I don't necessarily have the conviction like I, like I need. But my friend, this morning, I want you to know that if you're lost and separated from God, you need to be asking the question, what must I do to be saved? You need to be asking the question, that this, what has separated me from the love of God, what has got me in a place that I'm separated from Him, uh, what's got me in a place that uh, uh, if I was to die in my sin, that I would spend an eternity burning in a devil's hell. Uh, my friend, you need to be asking the question, what must I do to be saved? And I believe, uh, my friend, that's one of the most important questions that can be asked. I believe this man was under conviction. It says he came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. He got to a place that he was trembling within himself. I don't believe this uh, jailer was necessarily fearful to the fact that, these, uh, that Paul and Silas was leaving. But I believe he got to a place to where he understood the things that they were singing about. He understood the things that they had been preaching about. He had seen those things that were evident and the power of God. So he asked the question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said this. He said, Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou and thine house shall be saved. Believe upon Him. Believe upon Him with a whole heart. Our brother Don said something the other night that just stuck with me to a sense that lost people need to realize that they're sinners. They need to realize that they're lost and separated before God. That they've sinned and come short of the glory of God. My friend, the Word of God is to be a schoolmaster unto us. It's to show us and help point us in a way that we realize that without the Lord Jesus that we're condemned. Now, listen. A sinner... That's all we are. The only difference between me and you is that I've been saved by the grace of God. I'm a sinner that's been saved. But my friend, this morning, I want you to know and understand that without God's help, 
you'll still continue to die in your sins. You need to be saved this morning. And I pray that you might ask that question within yourself, what must I do to be saved? And my friend, this morning, God will help you if you have the earnestness from your heart. I know you tell, uh, you say, well, preacher, uh, uh, you need to tell me exactly what I need to say. You need to tell me exactly what I need to do. And this morning, I can't tell you what exactly to do. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. Jesus Christ this morning is the one to go to. There's nobody else in the world to turn to. You can't turn to mama. You can't turn to daddy. You can't turn to a deacon. You can't turn to a preacher. I might try to give you a little advice along the way, but my friend, ultimately, you've got to go after Jesus and go after him with your whole heart. There's a whole lot of people in the world today that wants to use excuses. You know what happened to a man by the name of Felix? After he heard the matter of what Paul was telling him, he finally come to him to a place and he said, Paul, at a more convenient season, people want to use all kinds of excuses to say, well, today's just not a real good day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to be saved. We're not promised tomorrow. Just as I couldn't hardly believe that Brother James, uh, I got a phone call Monday morning that he had passed away. And I'll tell you, that settled in my heart because Brother James being 43, I'm not too far from 40. And I thought, he's such a young man. And boy, that just settled in my heart. But I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm not promised tomorrow. And neither are you promised tomorrow. But I'm thankful there come a time in my life that I sought the Lord. And bless your heart this morning. Though I didn't deserve it, the Lord came in and He saved my soul. You know what Paul told young Timothy? He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might shew forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them that should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. He said, he came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul recognized what he was. He knew what he was. Paul had got down to a place, if you'll remember, uh, Paul uh, had letters that he might go out and wreak havoc upon the church, and that's what he said. He was set press to cause as much destruction upon the Lord's church and upon the saints of God that he could. But thanks be unto the Lord as he stood there holding the coats of those that stoned Stephen, and as Stephen looked up and seen God standing at the right hand of the Father, and he was drawing his last breath and he had his eyes focused upon the Lord Jesus, I believe conviction fell upon the Apostle Paul. And he set out with letters to Damascus. And as he set out, the Lord and a bright light spoke to him. And I believe we'll get to some of that just here in a moment. As Paul ends up having pretty much a false accusation made against him as far as bringing Gentiles into the temple. 
they sought to take his life. A new governor comes in by the name of Festus. King Agrippa is there. He said, well, I'll hear the matter concerning this apostle Paul. And this is what Paul has to say to him. Here in this 26th chapter, do pray for me. I get my thought out today. Paul's starting here in the 13th verse. He said, at midday, O king, I saw a lot. Saw, I saw in the way a light from heaven about the brightness of the sun shining around about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we was all fall, fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the priests. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things which I will appear unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from the darkness of the light, excuse me, from darkness to light and from the powers of Satan unto God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but shewed first unto them of Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. And for this cause the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day, witness both to small and great, saying none other thing than those which the prophets Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should shew the light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as, as he thus spake of himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doeth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth these things, before whom also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And I want to stop there for just a moment in time, if you'll allow me. As Paul here begins to give his experience, his testimony, about what God had done for him on the road to Damascus. And the Lord spoke to him and said, uh, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I was thinking about that, and basically what he's talking about there is uh, in those times and, and before times that uh, they would take uh, oxen that would work in the field and they would take these gourds that would have uh, uh, pricks on them and, and they would uh, uh, kind of prog along uh, uh, those ox that they might plow and do the work, and sometimes those ox might kick against those pricks. And it was, uh, it was something to encourage them to get them to go on and move on. And my friend this morning, I've said this before and you'll hear me say it again, that my friend, if you're here and lost, I don't know your heart. I don't know anything about your condition this morning. But I'll say this, that God knows your heart. He knows everything about you this morning. And though you may be sitting there lost and separated from God, never making a move, 
I want you to know this morning that that gets uh, when the presence of God becomes real. And he's working on your heart and you're resisting, saying, no, I'm not going to move, Lord. And he just continues to be harder and harder and harder. And he's letting you know that you're separated from him. You're kicking against those pricks. And my friend, God ultimately isn't going to make you do anything. You've got a choice this morning. We're a free moral agent. We have the choice to choose this morning uh, who we're going to serve. Are we going to cry out to the Lord and be saved? Or are we going to die in our sins? He's never made anybody repent. But listen to what he says here. He talked about this light that appeared unto him. And, and my friend, there's a lot of people that have a hard time dealing with seeing a light. I want you to know this morning that it doesn't make no difference to me if you've seen the greatest light that ever was. It doesn't make any difference to me of what it is necessarily that you experienced as long as you get the peace of God. Some people, they say they've seen a light. I've heard other people say, well, I don't necessarily. Listen, salvation is peace with God. Amen. That's what it is. If you've seen a light or you've seen, I'm not going to fall out with nobody. That's your story. You know that song, sometimes we sing, this is my story, this is my song. What God has done for me, that's my story. You can't have my story, that's what God's done for me. Your story might be different than mine, but ultimately, if you've been born again, God's give you peace. Amen. So here it is, this is Paul's experience. But listen to what he says. He says that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. To repent. To repent of what? This morning that you might see yourself as Paul seen himself. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And him knowing that he was the chief of sinners. And my friend this morning that uh, when I was a lost little boy. In my eyes I was the biggest sinner that ever was. I felt so low. I felt so miserable because I knew in my heart that I was the reason. I was the one. It was for me that Jesus Christ died. I wasn't concerned about anybody else that day. But I knew in my heart that Jesus died for me. He gave his life for me. He come up out of the tomb for me. He did it all for me. king knoweth these things before him who also I speak freely for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden for him for this thing was not done in a corner and my friend I want you to know that uh, when I was just a little boy and I wasn't but nine years old but my friend the thing that Jesus Christ done it wasn't hidden in no corner my friend Jesus Christ the name of Jesus is still the greatest name in the whole world my friend, those people have tried to tear him down. Those people have tried to dispute through the years whether he resurrected or not. Paul said that the apostles seen him and he was witnessed of some 500 men. Bless your heart, this morning he lives. Yeah. Did nobody have to tell me 
things, but I want you to know this morning that the Spirit of God made it real to me. As that preacher was preaching, I couldn't tell you a thing about what he preached that night. But the harder he preached, the more I realized just how much of a sinner I was. And it became real to me that I needed a Savior. That I needed a Savior. Amen. Why did I need a Savior? Because I was a sinner. I needed a Savior, but because without the Lord Jesus that I was going to spend an eternity burning in the devil's hate. I've heard lost people say, I'm not concerned about hell. That's not where my concern is. Lost person, you need to be concerned about a place called hell. You need to know about a place called hell. I need you to understand this morning that it's just as much as God wants you to be in heaven with him that if you die in your sin without ever knowing the Lord Jesus, that's what Jesus said to his disciples in John in the 17th chapter. He said, for this is eternal life that you might know me. To truly know him, not to know of him. There's a world of people that accept that there was a Jesus Christ. But my friend, the work of uh, repentance, the work of grace that goes on your heart is not merely something in the mind that accepts Jesus. Listen, he does the accepted. He does the accepted. There's a world of people out there today that say, well, I believe in the Lord Jesus with a carnal mind. But they never believed on him with their whole heart. Repent. Why? Because there's a hell today that's enlarging itself daily. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and wider and wider. And it's growing. The Bible says that it's a place where the fire is not quenched and where the worm dieth not. Luke puts it this way. He says, in this 16th chapter, familiar scripture to you this morning. He said, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which laid at his gate full of sores and desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried in by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest the good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from thence you cannot, neither can they pass unto us that would from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. 
And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from them from the dead, he will, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one has rose from the dead. And I know this morning uh, that may very, be very familiar to you, but just here is Agrippa. He said, Thou hast almost persuaded me to be a Christian. There's a whole lot of people that have been almost persuaded. Not fully persuaded, but almost persuaded. Just about there. But my friend, as this man was in his torment, he said, send Lazarus back that he might bore my five brothers. He said, I'm tormented in this place. And I think about that today. The people that's cried out from hell, from hell saying, I believe now. I believe, Lord, I believe you're real. I know this place is real. Save me, I'm tormented in this place. And my friend, they'll stay there and burn throughout all eternity because they failed to repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. They're tormented in that place. Burning. Think about that for a moment. Get that in your mind. Let that settle in your mind of what torment they're in. They're burning and they're begging for one drop of water to cool their tongue. And my friend, they'll never have their thirst quenched. Never. They'll burn throughout all eternity. When today you have the opportunity to be saved. When today you have the opportunity to come to the Lord with your whole heart and lay it out before Him and say, Lord, I know that I'm just a sinner. I can't tell you how to pray this morning. But boy, I tell you, that's the way that I still have to go to the Lord. I don't know how it is for y'all. God, I know that I'm still just a sinner. Have mercy on me. Hear my cry, Lord. He was in torment. He wanted Lazarus to go back and warn his five brethren so they might not have to go to that place of torment. And he told him, he said, they have Moses and the prophets. He said they wouldn't believe even if one did rise from the dead. But I'm here to tell you this morning that one did rise from the dead. Amen. He did rise from the dead. And his spirit today is just as real in my heart as it's ever been. This man, Agrippa, he knew the law. He would have had the authority over the temple per se. He had the authority to nominate the high priest. He knew the law. He knew everything about the law per se in one sense. And Paul here almost persuaded him to be a Christian. But I want you to know almost being saved, almost being persuaded won't get you there. Without the Lord Jesus, you'll die in your sin. And as much as I love you today, and as much as I desire you to be saved, there ain't a thing in the world that I can do for you except pray for you. You've got to come to the realization that you're a sinner. You've got to come to the realization this morning that without the help of God that you'll die in your sin and you'll burn in a tormented hell forever and forever and forever. But I want you to know it doesn't have to be that way. I believe there's a whole lot of good people that have, you know, we talk about good people where I'm from. 
And y'all went that far from us. We say they'd give you the shirt off their back. That's good people from where I'm from. There's a whole lot of good people in the world that would give you the shirt off their back. But dying and burning at the real hell again. Do you know why? Because they never repent. Jesus has never become Lord of their life. I want you to know today he doesn't have to think that way. I want you to know today that you can't be saved. But you've got to realize today that without God, you're hopeless. When you stand before the presence of God, I don't know, maybe y'all different than me. I believe one of the punishments of hell is. God bringing back your remembrance friends. I believe you'll be tormented in that place and if you die without ever being saved and you sit under the preaching of the gospel I think God will bring that back to your mind. He'll say remember you heard about it. You heard about how that I was crucified and I gave my life you heard about how they, they tried to shut me up in a tomb, but they couldn't close me up. They couldn't hold me. And I come up out of that tomb victorious. You heard about me. You heard how that I done everything that you might have life. I told you if you'd just come to me that you'd have life. I told you that I'm the bread of life. I told you that I'm the living water. I told you that I'm the door. If you just come to me, that you might have life. Amen. I believe that'll be one of the punishments. And that'll replay in your mind over and over and over and over and over and over forever. It'll keep replaying through your mind. When Jesus is saying, come to me. Just come to me. Surrender and come to me. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus wants you to spend all eternity with him. Don't be just almost persuaded. I'm fully persuaded. I enjoy life. God's given me a good life. God's been better to me than I deserve. But if tomorrow, tonight is my last time on this earth, and I draw my very, very last breath, I'm satisfied with what God's done in my life. Amen. I'm satisfied. I can close my eyes. I'm satisfied that I'm going to behold His glory. I'm satisfied I'm going to see Him. I'll 
you, God, for dying for me. Thank you, Lord, for paying a price that I could not pay. I've got some family over there in that country, and I've got loved ones I look forward to seeing someday after a while. But I'm going to tell you, there's one I'm looking for when I come through the portals of glory. And I don't believe we'll have to look very hard to see you. I want to tell you this. There's a time coming that you need to be risen. Because Fred and Matthew, the Bible tells us of ten virgins. Five didn't make preparation. And five had oil for their lamps. And when the bridegroom returns, those five that was without come to other five and said, Give us some of what you've got. I can't give you what I've got. What God gives me. on what God has done in my heart to take me home one day. Don't be caught off guard. I can't give you what I've got. Don't linger in slumber too long. If you hear it at all, sleep the Lord. I'm going to tell you about the greatest treasure that God can ever give you. He also said there in Matthew... He told us, he said, lay not up yourselves treasures in heaven for moth and rust do corrupt and where thieves, thieves do break through which thieves. But he said, lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break through thieves. He said, for where your heart is, it says, for where your treasure is, excuse me, I'm going to mess that up. He says, for where your heart is, I believe he says, there's also your treasure. He said, He said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He said, man cannot serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. Today, the world doesn't want to hear about hate. They don't want to think about hate. I want to tell you today, hell is real. I can't find any evidence in the scripture that says King Agrippa was ever saved. I can't find it. I can't find anywhere in the scripture that that rich young ruler ever was saved. I can't find it. And I'm not going to try to manipulate it to sound like they got saved. I believe Agrippa's burning in hell today. Because he was almost persuaded. Won't you come and seek the Lord today? I don't know your heart. Sister Lord, you get us a song. Seek the Lord today. God wants to save you. I believe one of the most vital questions that's ever been asked was by that jailer that said, What must I do to be saved? He said, Believe upon the Lord Jesus. Today, if you're ever going to be saved, you're going to have to come.